one of the elders here, Walt Lynch, and I don't usually preach. <laughs> so uh, Pastor John and, and Nate were uh, at General Assembly, and so that's why I'm up here today. Uh, and we're going to take an excursus today, <laughs> for one day, from our normal Exodus study. Okay, we've been going through the story of Exodus and the amazing history that God has given us there. And this story is a story about Elijah. It's about 600 years after the Exodus. And um, it's the story specifically of, of Elijah on top of the mountain, Mount Sinai, where he talks alone with the Lord. So um, someone asked me today, why, why the big change? Why this story? And um, so I'll tell you another story to explain that. <laughs> Once um, I went on a backpack with my friends Webb and Jim up in Montana on the Rosebud Trail. And it was a great trip. We walked up to the, the top of this pass and there was, a, there was a beautiful lake there and there were peaks all around and it was just a, a glorious place. And um, so when the night came, we had, uh, the, of course, the, the moon and the stars, and it was all quiet around, and it was a good time to think. My buddies went on to sleep, and um, I, I needed to do some talking to the Lord that night. Um, so I, at that point in time, was, was uh, working as an engineer, and I had a cross to bear, and the cross to bear, the, the name was Adolf. Um, he was my boss, and he um, made it very tough for me. I was a new engineer just getting started, and he would, he would look at my drawings and say, no, do it over again, uh, or the calculations, do it over again. And uh, he would throw them on the floor even, and uh, boy, I got really mad and angry, and, uh, and I was angry at God too. I said, boy, you know, why do I have this guy as my boss? Of all the bosses I could have had, why do I have Adolf? And um, so that, that night, um, I was looking at the stars and, and the, the moon and um, starting to think about God. And he's a good creator. He made me, he made Adolf, he made all these beautiful mountains. And uh, as, I, as I thought about that, I said, well, you know, if he's good and loving and kind and sovereign, then there has to be a reason that I've got this boss. And um, as I thought about it, I said, you know, there, uh, there probably is a reason. I don't know what it is right now, but I can, I can learn from this guy. Um, and so I remember praying and, and asking uh, God's guidance. And then I went back to Pittsburgh where my job was. And um, the, the Lord blessed that change of, change of attitude, remembering that the Lord was good. And so whatever he was giving me, um, that there was good come to come of that. And it was a blessing. As I worked with him later, we became friends, and uh, he became uh, the, my go-to person to, to go to for hard questions. Um, so in, in a way, this story of Elijah, uh, he goes up on a mountain, and he, con he confronts God, and, and the Lord ministers to him. Um, because he's pretty much a wreck when he gets to that place. So as we look at this story, um, first let me introduce you to Elijah and to 
King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Um, the, the main character of this, uh, of this story, though, uh, is God himself. He's the one that is directing and over all things. And in this, um, first let's take a look at Elijah. What do we know about him? His name is my God is God himself. That's pretty amazing. And uh, he lived at a time when things were really tough for God's ministers. And lots and lots of prophets got killed. Um, so the first thing I want us to remember about Elijah is he was a person just like us. He was human just like us. It tells us that in, in James chapter 5. And he was a person like us, and yet he prayed with just amazing prayers. And the Lord heard those prayers. Uh, sometimes Elijah was very courageous. Sometimes he was very afraid. Um, his name was Elijah the Tishbite, and that's because he was from a little town called Tishbe in Gilead. And somehow Elijah was one of these um, rough guys that made an impression on everyone, including the, the king of those days. He, it tells us that he dressed... Um, in like skins and a leather belt uh, like John the Baptist in the New Testament. And God had specially called him to be a prophet. And a prophet, uh, that's some calling. Um, because if a person gave a prophecy and it was wrong, he was to be stoned. <laughs> so there's, there was no tolerance for um, not speaking God's words. Well, so I think of my picture of Elijah as kind of a rough-and-ready frontiersman, dressed in skins and, uh, and able to confront anyone, including King Ahab, as he will later. Then we've got King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Um, and Ahab tells us, we're told that he committed more sins, he, he did more to anger the Lord than any of the previous kings of Israel. Um, so what are some of the things that he, that he got into? Is he married Jezebel, the wicked daughter of the king of the Sidonians. And the Lord long ago had warned the children of Israel, do not intermarry with uh, the godless people and the godless idols that they have. Um, well, and here's King Ahab jumping right into that. He marries Jezebel. Jezebel brings her um, idols. And, and the idols that she worshipped were, were Baal and Ashtaroth. And came to Egypt and started spreading her religion the best she could, which was pretty effective. And so King Ahab himself began to worship Baal and Asherah. And he set up an altar in the temple that he made. So he made a temple in the capital city of Samaria, and then he added um, this idol to Baal. And not only that, but his, his wife Jezebel started going around through Israel and killing the godly prophets. And so at this point, uh, Elijah thought that he was alone, that there were no more godly prophets left because of Jezebel. So there was a, 
in, in the Old Testament, uh, there are places that are called the blessings and the curses. And one of the things that uh, Elijah knew, and one of the things that uh, King uh, Ahab knew, was God wanted the people to worship him, to be that he was the true God and not to have any idols. And he said this in Deuteronomy 28, if you do not obey the Lord your God, the sky over your head will be bronze, the ground beneath you iron, and the Lord will turn the rain of your country into dust and powder. Well, that's, a, that's amazing and a scary prophecy. And Elijah earnestly prayed to the Lord that there would be no rain until he said the word. And this was amazing. Probably Elijah popped up somewhere in the wilderness and talked to King Ahab and said, this is what's going to happen. As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will neither be rain or dew in the next few years except at my word. Well, King Ahab may well have thought he was just a crazy prophet, but as, as months went past, there was no rain, there was no dew. And so then Ahab changes into an angry king trying to find Elijah. And it says that he searched all the surrounding countries and he would make these other countries swear that, no, Elijah is not here. <laughs> and over and over he looked for this man, Elijah, that uh, was, in his point of view, was, was bringing great pain to, to his nation. And at that point in time, I want you to take a look at, at the Lord's love and grace that he poured out on Elijah. And the first thing that the Lord did is the little story I told to the children, is he told Elijah, Elijah, go to the Kirith Ravine, and I will provide water from the stream, and I'll have ravens come and feed you. And so that's what happened. Until the stream dried up, God took care of Elijah in that way. And then what did God do? In God's goodness, he told Elijah, okay, now I want you to go to the widow at Zarephath, and you will be able to get food and water there. And so he goes there, and the, the widow is so poor, she's saying, look, sir, this is, this is the day that I was going to eat my last meal. I was going to take uh, this, this meal and this oil and cook it up for me and my son. We were going to share one final meal together, and after that, we'd have to die. And Elijah said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And so that's what happened. Once again, the Lord provided for Elijah. And it tells us that after three and a half years of this drought, the Lord told Elijah, all right, now is the time to go see King Ahab. And so he goes to see him, and you can imagine what King Ahab is thinking. Um, and it tells us that first Elijah came across 
a man named Obadiah, who was the palace administrator and a devout believer. And he had saved a hundred prophets from Jezebel's um, killing spree. And so when Obadiah saw uh, Elijah, he said, do you want me to set up a meeting with the king? And he was afraid that Elijah might be spirited away and that the king would then be angry at Obadiah. But Elijah said no. He promised Obadiah that he would be there. And so Obadiah set up a place for them to meet. And King Ahab, when he came up and saw Elijah, he said, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? And Elijah said, I have not made trouble for Israel, but it's you and your father's household. You have abandoned God's words, God's commands, and followed the Baals. So then Elijah told him, bring all the people together on Mount Carmel, and also bring the prophets of Baal. And so on Mount Carmel, it was a mountain right on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea, all the people gathered, 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who ate at Jezebel's table. And they gathered together. And Elijah said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. There was no comment from the people. And that's not a good sign when the people don't say anything. And Elijah said, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. So, let's have a contest. Baal's prophets choose one bull for themselves and cut it to pieces and put it on the wood, but don't set fire to it. And I will do the same thing with my bull, except I'll call on the name of the Lord. The God who answers by fire, he is God. And the people said, what you say is good. So I, I, get, I get the impression this is like a, a, a big football stadium full of people that are saying, hey, this sounds like an interesting contest. What you say is good. So the prophets of Baal called on their God for fire. And there was no answer. And at noon, Elijah began to taunt them and say, why don't you shout louder? Surely your God is a God. Maybe he's deep in thought. Maybe he's too busy. Maybe he took a walk. And the, the prophets of Baal got so upset, and they tried and tried to have this God, this false God provide fire. And it didn't happen. It says they continued in their frantic prophesying till time for the evening sacrifice. And at that point, Elijah called the people together to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been torn down on that site. And he dug a, a ditch around it. And he added four jars of water. And he had that poured on three different times. So you're looking at 12 jugs of water soaking this wood. So he was making it harder for, for God. And Elijah prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel 
and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. And then fire from the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the soil and all the water. And when the people saw this, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah commanded the people to take the prophets of Baal down into the valley and slaughter them. Then Elijah went to King Ahab and said, all right, prepare for rain. And Elijah went to the top of Mount Carmel and he prayed seven times. And each time he would ask his servant what he saw over the Mediterranean Sea. And when the servant the last time saw a small cloud, he said it was the size of a man's fist. Then Elijah told the servant, all right, tell Ahab to hitch his chariot up and ride for Jezreel before he gets stopped by the storm. And black clouds and wind and rain blew up and the power of the Lord came on Elijah and he ran ahead of Ahab to Jezreel. So that's just a, an amazing snapshot picture of, of this guy, Elijah. He, he tucked his robe into his belt and then he ran in front of the chariot and the horses all the way to Jezreel. And that was a high point. That was a time when he was just exalting and so thankful to the Lord and what the Lord had done. Now we'll, we'll read uh, a section, 1 Kings 19, 1 to 18. And that's the, the rest of the story. So 1 Kings chapter 19 and then 1 to 18. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. And Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came to a broom bush, and he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And all at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And he looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank. And strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights till he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous to the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They have torn down your altars. They have 
put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant. They have torn down your altars. They have put your prophets to death with the sword. And I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the, to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel. Anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel-Maholoth to succeed you as prophet. And Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Okay, we'll ask the Lord to teach us from this. Heavenly Father, thank you for your words, and we would pray for your spirit to help us understand and apply them rightly, that you'd be honored. In Jesus' name, amen. So in this part of the story, remember the snapshot earlier when he's running in front of the chariot and he's so happy and he's so joyful. And then what happens? He talks, he finds out, he gets a message from Jezebel, a death threat, uh, where Jezebel tells Elijah that within 24 hours I'm going to kill you. Now, Jezebel was a scary lady, and she could make things happen. She could make murders happen. Um, so that was, that was a scary thing. But Elijah knew God and his great power. So he, he shouldn't have folded, but he, he did. And sometimes we do, too. Um, so the first thing the Lord tells us is, what are you doing here, Elijah? And there's, there's kind of a gentle rebuke there that the Lord uh, speaks to him. And he speaks to him and, and tells him, you know, where, I, where are you supposed to be? He sends him to go back to the desert of Damascus. And as we, uh, as we look at that, the very last words there, are go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael and then anoint Jehu and anoint Elisha. Okay, what did those people do? When he anointed them, uh, or one of the other prophets, 
they actually were used of the Lord to bring justice on the land. Uh, there had been much injustice, um, much disobedience to the Lord. And when he goes back to this uh, and, and does what the Lord told him to do to anoint these people, then the Lord did provide an answer. He did provide justice on the land. Um, we hear a lot about justice in our own country these days. Well, the Lord cares about justice, and the Lord did bring about justice here in this land of, of Israel. And then the last verse there, verse 18, Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. And I think this is a, a really a key verse that Elijah over and over thought that he was by himself, that there was no one else around him. And so the Lord is reminding him, Elijah, I have 7,000 people here you don't know about that they're in Israel and they are faithfully serving me and they have not bowed the knee to Baal, and they have not kissed Baal. They haven't in any way showed allegiance to Baal. And so this is, this is kind of a picture of, uh, sometimes you hear it called the remnant in the Bible, but that God's people are precious, and that God has them there serving. So we don't know what those 7,000 were doing in Israel, but, uh, but they were serving the Lord. And... Even in, in our day, all around the world, there are God's people. And we, don't, we might not know exactly what they're doing, but God is using them to, to serve and, and to glorify him. So, uh, just as, as kind of a, a rehash or a summary of, of this, Elijah was shown the love of the Lord in many, many different ways. So if we just look at this little story, the first part was that uh, the Lord had, had, he could see the needs that his servant Elijah had, and so he provided water. He provided those ravens to deliver food. And just think of that. The Lord looked down and he saw Elijah's need and he provided it. Uh, Elijah hadn't prayed for it, didn't know how to pray for it, but the Lord provided. Um, the next picture of God's mercy and, and goodness is the water runs out. And then what's the Lord do? The Lord sends um, Elijah to go to a foreign country, uh, to the widow of Zarephath, who was a, a poor lady that, that was just about out of food. And the Lord provided for Elijah and for the lady and her son. Once again, that's, that's a beautiful picture of the Lord's love for Elijah and provision for him. And then uh, when he gets on Mount Carmel and he prayed to the Lord uh, for, for the Lord to send fire and to, to show the people that he was turning the hearts of the people back to the Lord, um, once again, the Lord heard that prayer, and the Lord answered in an amazing way to, uh, to burn up the altar and the sacrifice and, 
uh, the meat, every, every part of it. Um, the, next, the next part I'd like to look at is look at the discouragement that Elijah had uh, there under the, the broom bush. Uh, he was depressed. Um, he was just totally out of gas spiritually. And, um, and he told the Lord, you know, I've had it. Uh, I'm no better than my ancestors. Just take my life. Um, so from, from his point of view, all his work, all his life didn't matter. Um, that that he, was, he was in trouble. Um, that there's, there was no good end to this. And amazing, look at the Lord and his kindness and his love toward, toward the prophet. What did he do? He sent um, angels to minister to him and provide food and water two times. And then with the strength that that food gave him, he was able to go 40 days to, to get to uh, Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb. And so once again, that was the... That was the Lord's kindness and love that he showed. Uh, Elijah was, at that moment in time, he, he was not trusting the Lord. He was, he was not um, encouraged. Um, and the Lord reached out to him. So that's a, that's a beautiful picture of the love and grace of the Lord there. And then when we get to the very end of these verses, uh, when the Lord tells him, go back. Go back to the desert of Damascus and go back and, and anoint these three people. So the Lord had a plan all along on how to bring justice. And when Elijah had no more hope left, the Lord gave him that encouragement of saying, look, take care of these, you anoint these three people and I'll take care of the justice. Uh, that, that Elijah longed for. Uh, and, and he did, using those three people. If you keep on reading uh, from 1 Kings 19 on into 2 Kings, it tells you how the Lord used those people specifically to bring about justice. And the last thing there, once again, verse 18 the Lord saying, yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. So the Lord is telling something that Elijah doesn't know at all. And that is, you've got a band of, of brothers and sisters out there that are serving me. And even though you don't know about them, they're there. And there's a blessing. Um, and that was, a, that was a huge encouragement to Elijah. So, uh, the conclusion is, boy, we need to take a look at the Lord. We need to trust the Lord and his love for us. The Lord will bring justice um, to our land, to our world at some point. We are not alone. But God has his people all around, all around the world. We might not know them, but they're there. And God loves them and is caring for them even as he cares for us. So, I'll close in prayer. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you in your goodness that you care about justice, that you care about your people all around the world. And uh, what, what a blessing are our brothers and sisters in Christ um, that are, are all around the world in different countries. And uh, we thank you that in your goodness you poured out your love for um, Elijah in many ways. And Lord, we, we thank you that you also have done that for us. In Jesus' name, amen.